in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, this week, Chris O'Brien is a recovering... <laughs> He's waiting to say recovering what? You notice how the pause is what refreshes us here. So let's try it again. Chris O'Brien is a recovering... Fill in the blank. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say, Gene. I'm recovering from 16 months of sitting in one chair in one place and growing roots. Yes, but you go outside for smoke breaks. I do. I do. I have to get on you for that. that. I just read how Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, is suffering from a lung disease because he was once a heavy smoker, but that was 30 years previously. So he's now a guy in his early 80s. He gave up smoking in his 50s, and he still suffered the consequences. Chris, what do we do about you? Uh, switch me to an e-cigarette, which is what I'm doing. I'm weaning myself over to e-cigarettes. Okay. I love my nicotine. But with e-cigarettes, you can smoke them inside because we don't let anybody smoke in this residence. Yeah. Your point being? I don't like the odor. Anyway, seriously, we don't let anybody smoke in my car either, by the way. All right. So he'll tell us about his e-cigarettes. I guess also he's going to feel more relaxed now because of the fact that the book is done. And we went through this long period of corrections. Oh boy, did we. And you can bet that the people buying the book, a few early adopters, will go through it with a fine tooth comb. Any typo they find, they'll scream about. But that's preposterous because nothing is perfect. Well, especially since the book is almost a half a million words. I I don't want to scare potential readers off, but it's about as extensive and comprehensive as the subject will allow. And we didn't make the type too small for readability. We kept it reasonable size type. Yeah, but it's not, you know, one of those books where you have a space and a half between lines. This is definitely a tome, I think would be the term. It's at the printer, and uh, I've signed off on it. They're printing it, uh, hopefully today, as we speak. Uh, It should be ready to ship out uh, early next week, uh, towards the middle of the week, and... I'm really excited. I, I, you know, I've, I put really a lot of time and effort and energy into this, and I had the help of Gene and uh, a couple of editors, a couple of proofreaders, and you know, because uh, Ventures Unlimited does not uh, have a <laughs> an editorial department or a proofreader, I took it upon myself to create as 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 perfect a book as 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 I could, and and I did have help, so. As I've mentioned to several people, I think this book will be around uh, a lot longer than I will be. So I wanted to make it as perfect as, as possible. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. I, I really have a sense that this is going to be the go-to book on the subject from here on out. Well, if you don't give up on smoking, it may outlive you. I certainly hope you do. <laughs> All right. You see, I'm really digging it into him. Yeah, you are. Well, I, I feel good. I, I feel like a, a tremendous weight has been lifted off my my head, my attitude is better. Um, I'm not so uh, preoccupied. I, I'm almost at a point where I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. You know, I am starting work or have begun researching uh, the follow-up to Stalking the Herd, which will, is tentatively titled Stalking the Stalkers. <laughs> kind of ironic uh, title. But uh, I really feel that a complete analysis of the first book is really important to put all that information into 
an analytical context. And David Perkins and I are going to be co-writing this follow-up book, which will analyze uh, the 600 600 pages uh, that the first book uh, presents, all the data, and now we have to analyze it. I did not have room to put in an extensive analysis of the data. I do put in my two cents worth, uh, especially in the final chapter, chapter 12. Um, I do go in-depth on some of my own theories, but um, that's not to say that more analytical work uh, shouldn't be done. I, I really do feel that it needs to be really put into a think tank situation and, and, and really come up with some some trends, patterns. Uh, we've already identified some that I, I, I just, I'm, I'm very excited about where the analytical process is going, and we're already hard at work on it. You know, I was thinking about Maybe the title of the sequel. Why don't you call it After the Herd? You have Stalking the Herd, After the Herd. You know, you do like movies. You come up with a title <laughs> like that. <laughs> after the Herd, Before the Herd, do the prequel. You know, yeah. Now it's prequels. And then, of course, five years from now, we have the reboot. Right. Which is Stalking the Herd, the herd Begins. The Herd Lives. <laughs> oh, well, there, uh, you know, I can't help but notice uh, in the news... Uh, Today, there's an, uh, an announcement by the state of Virginia that they're expanding their, I guess, uh, monitoring deer herds uh, in the state of Virginia. They've expanded the areas that they think that chronic wasting disease has spread to. And this is going to be something that we're going to be hearing time and time again over the, over the coming years of how uh, TSC or transmissible spongiform encephalopathy is spreading through the wild deer and elk populations, and and there's no end in sight with it. If you're a hunter and you're east of the Rockies, you have to have the head tested. You you should not render that animal and eat it without being completely sure that it's free of of chronic wasting disease. And the biggest disease of all will be learning how to pronounce. The name of that disease can be transmissible spongiform encephalopathy. Okay, <laughs> you know I want to say something about the show we had with J.C. Johnson a few weeks ago, and he was kidding there about Bigfoot scat. Okay, and he used a few other words for that stuff. <clears throat> so I made a few silly remarks. Unfortunately, one listener took that seriously, took umbrage on my attempts to make light of scat, okay? Make scat lighter rather than being a heavy subject to deal with. He said, that guy should be fired. And since, of course, I'm the owner of the company, I wrote him back and said, I'll tell you what, just don't listen. I don't have time for this, really, you know. All this aggravation over a few sentences. Wow, you made a fuss over it, okay? Well, that's all right, Gene. You don't want to poop on the parade and, and you know, kind of lower the bar of uh, civility. I think his letter was poop. Okay? There we go. I said it, ladies and gentlemen, and that's it. Let's stop right here before we get in trouble. <laughs> Let's look at our guest for today. And once again, after... An excursion back to UFOs last week with Dr. Bruce McAbee. This week, we're going to cryptozoology. We're going to strange creatures. And we're going to talk with a writer and a musician, a guy named Lyle Blackburn. And he's got a new book out 
about the lizard man. Pretty fascinating. I, I went through the book quickly, and I was amazed at the outbreak of sightings in South Carolina uh, in 1988-89. Uh, it was national news. Uh, CBS News went down there. Uh, I think the Today Show uh, did a live uh, feed from down there. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I can't wait to get into it with Lyle about this and 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 find out more. Uh, this is really quite an, a compelling subject that you don't hear much about. Of course, you hear about Bigfoot all the time now. Uh, we hear about uh, you know flying creatures, uh, flying humanoids, and, and other types of of high strange uh, categories of of sightings. But but lizard men is not something that you normally hear about and uh, the book is filled with a bunch of interesting reports that have uh, surfaced uh, all the way back into the 1800s and uh, it's quite fascinating and a real head scratcher I must say. Okay the book is called Lizard Man but Lyle Blackburn has written another book called The Beast of Boggy Creek. Uh, Wow so that one has a forward by Lauren Coleman. This one has a forward from Nick Redfern. So he's in good company. Yes. The guest is Lyle Blackburn. He'll be on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracasts. <laughs> Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, They're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights and your hard-earned dollars by a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. 
And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, HBExtract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We introduced to our listeners of the Paracast Lyle Blackburn, and he's involved in cryptozoology. He's also a musician. And we're going to talk about his latest book, which is called Lizard Man, but also the previous book from a couple of years back, called The Beast of Boggy Creek. So that creature is from Arkansas. The new one, the Lizard Man, is from South Carolina. Lyle, welcome to the PowerCast. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we get underway with looking for strange creatures, which we do from time to time on the PowerCast, tell our listeners about your background. What got you interested with legends about monsters? Well, uh it was definitely one of those things I was interested in at a very young age. You know, I always loved monsters and loved horror movies, but I especially gravitated towards things that were presumably real, you know, uh, cryptozoology creatures, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, things like that, you know, ghosts, um, Bermuda Triangle. You know, when I was a kid, I watched all those sorts of shows. And it was just sort of a lifelong interest. And I read books and things like that. As an adult, I became a writer, and in doing so, I began to look back at a lot of these things and uh, started looking more in-depth into the cases, and it, it fascinated me, and so that became something I wanted to write about, and that led to the first book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, because I had seen a movie as a kid called The Legend of Boggy Creek, which that was uh, it was based on some real sightings in Arkansas. So that's kind of where I started, and that was very well received, and so I decided to uh, keep up with that, and that's what led me to the Lizard Man case. Our listeners will want to know, do you have a day job? Not so to speak. I'm a freelance writer, so I still, 
you know, I don't make a living writing the books completely. I do other, you know, freelance things. Also, I'm a writer for the magazine Rue Morgue. It's a uh, popular horror magazine, you know, you can pick up at Barnes and Nobles and places like that. So I have a column in there and I write for that magazine. Um, I played in bands for years. Um, you know, fairly semi-pro, and we toured all over the world and stuff. So I, I still get a lot of royalty royalties off the music. So all combined, that sort of is my job plus monster hunting. Okay, now in choosing which monsters to explore, do you look at recent legends and stories, or do you just pick out something that happens to interest you? Well, a lot of it. Uh, you know, duh is dependent on where I'm located. You know, in the case of, of my both of my books, I definitely wanted to go to these areas and do research. I don't want to sit on the Internet and try to write a book like that. So, you know, I mean, I, I need to concentrate. I, I live in Texas. So, you know, starting with the Boggy Creek monster um, that was just across the border in Arkansas. So definitely a place that I could visit, visit the areas where it was sighted, interview people um, in the actual area. And, you know, I've visited places like Honey Island Swamp, where there's the Honey Island Swamp monster in Louisiana, um, and on over to the southeast where, where you know, the South Carolina, where the Bish- uh, Bishopville uh, lizard man is. So that that's kind of where I concentrate and what I choose. You know, I mean, I love tales of of lake monsters and, of course, uh, you know, Loch Ness or Lake Morar uh, over there in Scotland. But they're so far away, and I like to do firsthand research that most of the time what I write about is going to be in the in the south or southeast U.S. Now, are creature sightings like this focus more on particular regions of the U.S.? I'm thinking about other monsters, like the Flatwoods Monster in West Virginia. We're thinking, of course, about also Mothman. Right. I mean, those would be, you know, regional creatures, so to speak. And if you were to write a book on the Mothman, you know, you would go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and you would, you know, go from there. Um, My my books have been very focused in that I've uh, explored sightings of a creature that occurred over a you know many number of years x number of years in a in a certain area um, rather than you know writing a book on you know bigfoot or something where i just talk about sightings worldwide or even in the u.s or something like that and um i think it's it's one reason my books have been successful but also you know one reason that sets me apart is because Rather than just try to write these, you know, encyclopedias of cryptozoology monsters and briefly mention something, I really dig into a case and bring forward uh, details and a lot of time witness sightings that nobody has ever heard of because nobody, you know, really went and spent so much time digging around, uh, you know, at the location. So, you know, mine are very focused on a certain case, which is, is, is to me, is is more fascinating to to really bring out all all the details. Lyle, one thing that I noticed uh, in your book is that you do go back and do some historical research and mention some pretty interesting cases and uh, sighting claims that go all the way back into the 1800s. Perhaps uh, this is a good place to give our listeners a bit of a background on this particular uh, 
you know, described creature, which I don't think very many people are aware of how many sightings of these strange amphibious bipedal creatures have been made over the years, especially here in the United States. Right, and that, that's one thing you will find out as you start looking into modern sightings of these things. Most times, uh, you can backtrack and find, you know, historical references, old sightings, you know, that, that are maybe to the 1800s and uh, then back to Native American legends. As far as you can look, you'll see these either coincidental or, you know... Uh, you know, kind of spooky that, that they were seeing this stuff in the same area. So, in the case of the Bishopville Lizard Man, I, I did, you know, look into the back history around there and found that uh, there were Native American legends uh, about a, a race of men who they described in sort of reptilian terms. They said they had these uh, rigid tails, and they existed off by eating fish, and they came from the sea, and these people disappeared after the fish ran out. So, um, while the descriptions here don't really match the modern description of the lizard man, it is, you know, really weird that you could find um, Native American history about a reptilian-type humanoid in this very area where in 1988, people started reporting the Lizard Man. And, you know, note that the people who reported, the witnesses who reported seeing the Lizard Man would have had no earthly idea that there was any sort of um, old Native American tales uh, that would be similar. So it is, uh, you know, a very cool connection and one thing that brings substance to the case, you know. I'm going to ask you when we get to our next segment whether in looking over possible candidates for further investigation, you found cases that just didn't pass muster. It was just people telling tall tales around the campfire, as some people complain about a guest we had on a few weeks ago was doing. But we'll get into that more. We're going to look at the lizard man and other strange creatures. Our guest is Lyle Blackburn. we got more to come. With Gene and Chris, you're in. The Paracasts. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? 
Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <laughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Chris has his inner lizard taking control of his being right now. Gene and Chris talking to Lyle Blackburn. Lyle, in choosing cases to do on-site investigation, and when you do on-site investigation, folks, he's traveling to that place. He's got to stay at the local motels or find somebody to put him up or something. The key here is it involves a lot of time and expense. It's not a casual thing. So in looking for places that interested you, Lyle, did you find any that just didn't pass muster at all? Yeah, I mean, there are some that, you know, as you look a little bit further into them, there's there's some dubious aspects to it, things that don't add up or witnesses whose stories, you know, seem a little bit far-fetched. And certainly by going to an area and trying to speak to people more in person, 
rather than you know getting a summary from Wikipedia or something. You can you can kind of sort out what seems real and and genuine from something that's been you know passed down, rewritten, and summarized you know twenty times on the internet you know so far from the source. So yeah, certainly you know in two aspects. One, I have interviewed witnesses in some cases that. You know, I just didn't feel like their story stood up, so I just didn't include those as examples of of credible reports. You know, on top of that, you you start expanding out, and like in the case of the lizard man, we're going to look at you know other reptilian reports from around the U.S. Well, when you start looking into sort of reptilian slash amphibious, you really start getting on the fringes of cryptozoology and you know par- into paranormal or whatever. I found that you know some of those cases were just very dubious there's one one called the loveland frog which comes up a lot when you talk about sort of lizard men or amphibious uh, creatures and you know i looked into that and you know i just i just sort of tell the story but i you know make no bones about it you know even in the book and say i don't know you know it's few things don't add up i just call it how it is you know so some cases are going to have better support and credible evidence and then some of them just have very little um to go on so uh, you just kind of have to make a judgment like i said in my books i just tell the story it's a great story no matter what it is um, because these are mysterious things and i just try to sort out the truth offer it up and let let myself and the readers decide from there well let's go in and talk about bishopsville and uh, this incredible outbreak of reports that happened in the early summer of 1988 i think the first report of uh, correct me if i'm wrong is a family reporting that their that their ford ltd had been mauled at night and they couldn't figure out what it tore, tore up the fender and and other things and then a few days later was um the next month was a very bizarre report that was filed by um a guy named uh, Chris, uh, what was it, Davis, I think, right. who uh, reported seeing this creature. Why don't we start with those early events, and then we'll kind of continue on and show some of the other uh, eyewitness uh, cases that occurred during this uh, very interesting flap that occurred in, I think, Lee County, correct me if I'm wrong, South Carolina? Right. Yeah, it was interesting how the whole thing got started. It was in the uh, July of 1988 and the sheriff's office down there the lee county sheriff got a call from those folks who said uh, you know we woke up this morning our our ford ltd has been eaten up it looks like an animal attacked it and so sheriff said okay he sends a couple of deputies down there to check it out well they look at it and it sure enough it really does look like an animal has done something to the car. Pieces are ripped off, but there's there's sort of some footprints, there's some hair. Really strange. So they call back down there to the sheriff, Liston Truesdale, and said, hey, sheriff, this is weird. We don't know what to make of it. You might better come check this out. So he goes down there, starts looking into it. And in the process of that, some of the locals started gathering around. You know, the police are there. So, you know, people are gathering. And some of them came up and said, well, you know, this might be the result of a creature that people have been seeing around here we call the lizard man and so the sheriff is like the what you know the lizard man and you know he's listening he's just trying to make sense of this you know they say yeah you know several people lately have seen a a tall maybe seven foot tall creature it's either brownish or greenish in color 
And, you know, it seems to be lurking in this area, an area which is uh, called Skateboard Swamp. And, and the, the car which had been damaged was right on the outskirts of the Skateboard Swamp. So the police weren't sure what to make of this. But either way, they had a damaged car and, you know, some tall, crazy stories. So they said, well, look, you, you tell anybody who has seen this creature to come see us. And so this actually got in the newspaper, and that's what brought in Christopher Davis. A few days later, uh, Christopher Davis's father brought him down to the police station and said, you know, my son may have something uh, to add to this whole lizard man. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, he was attacked by a creature kind of fitting this description. And so, you know, that's, that's when the whole witness thing came forward. And his sighting, just, just to briefly sum it up, was, was very uh, sensational. He said he had a flat tire in the middle of the night out by Skateboard Swamp on his way home from work. As he was getting ready to leave, he sees some kind of humanoid figure coming at him through the fennel grass. As it gets closer, he could tell that it uh, may probably not a man. He didn't know what it was. He jumps in his car, tries to speed away. This thing tries to uh, get in. It jumps on the car, tries to attack him. And so while it sounds crazy, Sheriff Truesdale did believe this kid was telling the truth. He, weren't sure, he wasn't sure what exactly had attacked him, uh, but he felt that something had happened to this kid. And so that, that's where it all, all started. That got in the newspaper and everybody just kind of went lizard man crazy there in that summer. Very briefly here, has anyone been seriously harmed by one of these creatures or killed by one of them? Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's no proof of that. Um, and Christopher Davis you know, by all accounts, seemingly came the closest to being injured. Um, but, you know, a lot of the other witnesses just got brief glimpses running across the road. They saw it at the edge of the uh, woods, things like that. It never it never attacked anybody else. But as far as, uh, you know, Christopher Davis, that surely is the hinge point sighting. And, and he did, it did appear to be aggressive towards him that the, these sightings uh, seem to be clustered around the skateboard swamp um, and the uh, the particular road, uh, Browntown Road, that crosses the, the swamp. And then this particular bridge seems to be kind of the epicenter where a lot of these uh, witness reports seem to be generated from. Um, what do you think about that? Is that an indication that this uh, particular creature was inhabiting that area? Uh, and if so, uh, for how long? I mean, how? What was the duration of the sighting events? Um, well, um, as I mentioned, the police had kind of put out this APB on people who had seen it to come forward. And after after Christopher Davis had come forward, you know, his his had been within a couple of weeks. Um, some other guys had come forward that had sightings dating back a couple of years. So, uh, you know, people in the area had been seeing something strange lurking down there for you know some time before it ever you know became public knowledge um which is typical in these cases i find that you know you have a lot of people that's going to see something well what are they going to do they're not going to run to the police or the newspaper um it it takes an event sort of like uh the police getting involved and christopher davis coming forward that all that some other people will end up coming forward and saying hey you know i saw this thing i just didn't tell anybody um so you know it was it was um, most mostly in that skateboard swamp area near Bishopville, and it's a place where you sort of 
uh, where civilization sort of meets that swampy bottomland, uh, a lot of undeveloped area. And of course, by me going there, I can really determine, you know, is this a place where a large animal could even roam? But it is, it is true that Skateboard Swamp is, is fairly remote, rugged. Um, I interviewed Sheriff Truesdale, and he told me about, you know, a lot of the history um, and how, you know, moonshiners used to hide in there and things like that. We have Lyle Blackburn. We're talking about the Lizard Man and other stuff. Frightening stuff with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hey everyone, have you heard about the no-no hair removal device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional quality results, here's our favorite host Cheryl for no-no hair removal. Thanks. Hey gals, I love talking about my no-no. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-no has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors. So it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card. And you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-6062. That's 800-953-6062. 800-953-6062. Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. 
Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. This is Kurt Sutherland, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. So Chris gave up the lizard voice, okay, for this segment, but he'll come back with it. Lyle Blackburn is joining us. His books, The Beast of Boggy Creek and... Lizard Man. Tell us more, Lyle. So, you know, by, by going to this area and uh, seeing Skateboard Swamp myself, you know, I could determine that, you know, it conceivably is an area where a large creature could remain undetected for some time. It's hard to say, you know, if the alleged Lizard Man had been in the area for a long time. I mean, there just wasn't many sightings or uh, none that we could trace back that went much further back than the mid-80s. So, you know, hard to say or, you know, was was a creature passing through there, which is certainly possible because it is a waterway. And waterways seem to be a place that these creatures are seen uh, frequently, uh, you know, from, I mean, from Bigfoot to other strange creatures, they travel the waterways. I mean, this is like a highway to him in a way to remain concealed and to stay near a source of water, which is, you know, uh, something they definitely need. So it's not surprising that you could have a creature seen in one area for a short period of time and then maybe move on. So, you know, if you widen the scope, you can see that along the Ohio River Valley and other nearby waterways that would eventually feed into South Carolina, that there are a history of, you know, strange sightings there as well. Well, I noticed here that um, the national media really jumped all over these initial reports and that People Magazine came down to uh, Bishopville and Dan Rather from CBS News. Now, this is all within a month of the Chris Davis um, claim. Now, do you have a sense that possibly this national exposure may have led to some people claiming that they saw this thing just to get attention? Or how do we factor out media coverage and people wanting to get their, their names uh, mentioned or their faces on the, the local TV show or, or even a national TV show. How do we separate the wheat from the chafe when it comes to that? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting aspect of the story, just how much media was going on. I mean, it's just mind-blowing um, because uh, the case was generating you know media on a national level and even international. Um, I think that if it was a case of a lot of people trying to get their name in the media and so forth, there would have been a lot more citing reports. Um, 
And being that the sheriff's office was looking into it and monitoring it very closely, I'm quite confident that most of the sightings, you know, had come to light at the time. And I don't, you know, and I've looked at each one and in some cases talked to some of those witnesses, and I don't feel like any of them were making anything up. Um, especially to get in the media. And most of them, aside from Christopher Davis, who just sort of reported what he saw before there was a big media rush, uh, most of those people, you know, they didn't do a lot of interviews. They were barely mentioned in the paper, you know, so they, they didn't seem to be all about trying to, you know, make something of, of it. So I didn't find that they were, you know, trying to to get media coverage. I mean, there was, there was one guy who actually per- perpetrated a hoax, um, which, you know, was, he was busted and, you know, it's an interesting part of the story, but that's the only guy that pulled any shenanigans. And sure enough, the, the sheriff's office wasn't fooled by any of that. And, you know, it came to light uh, that he never saw the lizard man. So I think the, the wheat from the chafe has, has been fairly sorted and I'm fairly confident that those witnesses saw what they saw. Well, it's interesting, I, I, and uh, I must compliment you, Lyle, on your uh, timeline that you provide at the end of the book, which goes down date by date, all the developments in this particular flap of events. And one thing that, that really comes uh, through impressively is uh, you mentioned on August 26, 1988, a little over a month after Christopher Davis made his sighting, and and also uh, Davis was given a polygraph test, which he passed, as you note in your book. But I see that a Colonel Mason Phillips of the Army Corps of Engineers had a sighting uh, in Lee County, and there were other, uh, you know, pillars of the community. There was a a rumored sighting by a bank president. Um, There there were others, too, that uh, are the kinds of people in the kinds of positions that you don't normally associate reporting or telling stories that they'd seen a creature of this sort. Generally, uh, most people, the skeptics out there, think that it's, it's only people that are, you know, smoking crack in their, in their trailer at the trailer park that see UFOs or strange creatures. You mentioned some pretty um, reputable folks in your book. And why don't we go in and, and talk about some of the other sightings that happened there, uh, the middle part and towards the end of the summer of 1988? Yeah, certainly, and in, in that the colonel reporting that sighting is another one that you you can definitely say he wasn't looking for media attention. In fact, he he did not want his name used in the paper, but he felt it to be his duty to uh, inform Sheriff Truesdale about what he saw. So, you know, in fact, I mean, he was risking his job really to go reporting something like that. I saw a lizard man. You know, that's not great on the colonel's resume. So. And in fact, uh, he did not want his name used. I, I know his real name, and I honored that original request that it not be used in the paper. So I had to do a little switching on his name there to keep it uh, anonymous. So he is still, you know, he, he's actually passed on, but his wife is still alive. But but that was an interesting sighting. It was, you know, rather brief. He saw it run across the road. It was interesting, though, that he said he thought it had a tail whereas most people did not describe the creature as having a tail. Now, the media always kind of drew it as some kind of a silly dinosaur-looking alligator man, but that's not really what people described. They described more of a just humanoid creature uh, without a tail. But he did describe a tail, and, you know, 
it was a very brief sighting. Um, later, uh, later, some other guys came forward, one of those being Frank Mitchell. He had had a sighting actually from his airplane. He was a crop duster. And uh, during that summer, actually prior to Chris Dav- Davis's sighting, he was taken off from his runway. And as he looked down, he saw uh, some sort of strange creature running uh, out in the open just between two sets of woods. Of course, he's in the plane. He's trying to look down and look back, and it you know, got out of sight, so he didn't have a very long look at it, but he was quite certain it wasn't a person uh, running across there uh, that you know, it could have possibly been what people were dubbing the lizard man. So and I, I spent some time with Frank at his house and uh, discussed it with him, and I, again, I just don't feel like he's making this up. Um, he didn't receive great media coverage or riches or fame from it. He's just saying, here's what I saw, you know. Another interesting event that you mentioned is uh, an airman from uh, Shaw Air Force Base, uh, Kenneth Orr, who claims he actually uh, took a shot at the lizard man. Uh, uh, Why don't you describe that particular encounter? And bear in mind, too, we have two minutes till we do the break. So if we have to split up the comment, Lyle, we'll do it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, that uh, Kenneth Orr was the one I mentioned that uh, was ended up being a hoax. Um, he said he encountered the lizard man while driving in his car. He got out. He shot it. Um, and what he did was bring some fish ca- scales down to sh- the sheriff's office as evidence of this <laughs> having occurred. Well, it didn't take long for them to sort out the truth and... Um, you know, they, they knew fish scales. I mean, Sheriff Truesdale's fished plenty of times. He wasn't fooled by any of this. So there was a case where, yeah, there was somebody trying to perpetrate a hoax, and he said he did it to keep the legend alive. I guess he felt it was his duty. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but like right, he got Dan. busted for, for having an unregistered gun, as you note in your yeah. uh, in your timeline here, right? Yeah. So he ended up, you know, uh, getting in worse trouble. So, you know, there's a case, and it's an interesting part of the story, but certainly one that, uh, uh, you know, has played out and, and does not support, you know, the sightings. It's interesting, another interesting aspect of that, recently I saw a comment on the Internet where that dude's brother said that he was responsible for all the lizard man sightings. He was the one who frightened christopher davis he was wearing some kind of a mask um because he passed there by there at night on his way home from work at shaw air force base so all of it's nonsense because i know where the guy lived at the time i know where shaw air force base is he did not have to pass anywhere near skateboard swamp um there's a lot of things that didn't add up so you have a lot of people later on trying to claim that there i was the lizard man um, but it's almost like uh, confessing to a crime that you don't have some, you know, backup for. Lyle Blackburn joins Gene and Chris exploring monsters. You're in the Paracast. largest independently owned communications network, GCN. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast, we're talking about the various creatures and sightings that Lyle Blackburn's reported. One thing that bothers me when I read about these stories, not that there is not a possibility they're true, they certainly sound mysterious, but it's generally one creature. We have a lizard man, where's the lizard woman, where's the lizard kids? Why is it generally just one? Most of the time, it's a singular creature. Yeah, that's true, and that's certainly something that doesn't bode well for the credibility of these creatures. You know, in a case like the lizard man, you know, there aren't just a heck of a lot of sightings. So it's possible that, you know, what people saw just was an adult male, if it's a real creature. You start widening, you know, the investigations. If you're looking at Bigfoot, I, you know, I do get a lot of reports where people have seen multiple creatures or a baby one or this and that. So I'm not sure in the case of the lizard man, you know, if there was a family or why it was just one creature. It's, but, you know, that's always the, the case where it's this, this solitary, strange entity and people see it and it's gone. It's hard to know <laughs> why that is, you know. Well, you also, you think if they're real, this is the hunter. The man, the male of the species is the hunter-gatherer and maybe somewhere in the forest, somewhere, somewhere near the lake or whatever it is, you have the female and the kids being shielded from outsiders. Just wondering, just trying to answer this. Sure, yeah. I mean, 
You know, that's true. I mean, a lot of times you'll see a solitary bear or a solitary cougar, you know, the male hunting and things. And whereas the mother and babies are definitely going to stay, you know, more concealed, you know, and away from highways and roads and people and things. So, you know, there's ways you can look at it to sort of support it either way. Now, in your book, you mentioned that some of these sightings feature descriptions of what I guess it would sound more like a skunk ape, that there seems to be some kind of crossover between a reptilian-type form uh, versus something that's more of a hominid or, or like a skunk ape-type uh, form. Why don't you uh, go in and sort of address that particular issue, which you do in your book. Right. Yeah, that was one thing that I learned as I really started looking into the case. I mean, most of the time, if you read about this in a cryptozoology book or on the internet, you know, primarily they talk about the Christopher Davis sighting. They talk about, you know, as in terms of reptilian aspects and traits, um, you know, it is called the lizard man. So that leads your mind to a certain general image you have when you hear that name. But as I looked into this, I found that the media had portrayed it as sort of this you know, more outlandish creature from the Black Lagoon meets Alligator Man type thing. The witnesses described something more shadowy. You know, it was humanoid. They weren't sure sometimes it was green or brown. And then some of the witnesses who got a, you know, presumably a closer look, usually in the headlight, said they thought it had hair and it looked like a Bigfoot. So that, you know, that leads to possibilities and theories that, Perhaps, you know, this wasn't maybe a reptilian or perhaps people saw two different creatures. You know, perhaps, it, you know, Christopher Davis saw a Bigfoot who had come up out of Skateboard Swamp and it was wet or it had a hair condition or it was mangy or, you know, any number of things. The pilot, Frank Mitchell, the crop duster, said he, he thought it walked very monkey-like. Its arms were long. He said it was kind of loping over. He said, you know, in his opinion, it looked somewhat primate and he saw it uh, in daylight although he was you know taking off in the plane you know i started to think well you know uh maybe reptilian humanoid isn't the only possibility you know and i laid out the sightings that would support that of course you know in my book i just try to bring it all forward and let's take a look at it you know not to say that it wasn't two different creatures one of them reptilian one of them you know, being a skunk ape or what have you, but uh, certain op- certainly opens the possibilities and, you know, adds more pieces to the puzzle. Well, for, for people who aren't as well-versed in this particular subject matter and who have maybe a peripheral interest, South Carolina doesn't come up on, on the radar as a place where you normally equate Bigfoot sightings or, or these strange kind of cryptoid creatures. In Researching the state, especially around this particular area, is there some sort of history of uh, Bigfoot-type sightings, um, other creature sightings? Um, Can you give us a sense of the kind of local folklore, urban legends that may uh, come into play here a little bit? Yeah, certainly. Uh, You know, and that was one of the things as I, you know, begin to look at the witness descriptions that described it in terms of, of, you know, of a hairy hominid or humanoid or whatever 
and let me note that these witness statements were very precise because in this case there was actual police documentation. People had reported seeing something and the sheriff had the wherewithal to make them come in. He separated people and had them write down what they saw. So I have that written documentation which was made days after their sighting. So I'm quite sure they didn't, you know, they didn't change their story over the years or anything like that. They did describe something they thought had hair. So as I looked into the possibility of are there Bigfoots living in the area that could have been confused as a lizard man, I did find that there are uh, Bigfoot sightings in South Carolina. It, you know, it's not one of the most prominent states where you have things like that. But uh, I talked to one of my colleagues out there, Mike Richburg, who had you know done more research into that. And he had quite a few sightings that he had investigated of Bigfoot-like creatures. Um, there's also... Some other more uh, legend-type creatures, there's one called the Hide Behind, which is sort of a primate-like creature um, that, that often seen hiding behind trees. Um, sometimes it's said to be more monkey-like or even have three toes. So, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing and certainly a creature that, you know, is by all you know, accounts more primate, but still maybe not a Bigfoot. So, you know, there's definitely Bigfoot sightings out there and um, if it's it's one of those things when you start digging into it, you go to the area, you start talk, talking to colleagues that have lived there all their lives. Sure enough, you start turning up a whole bunch of supporting backlog of of creature sightings that uh, you can bring forth when you're investigating the case. Well, you mentioned a, an interesting kind of detail which uh, I find intriguing, and that is three toes. Now, in the book, you show a photograph of what is alleged to be a track, which is very obvious to have three toes, and also a, um, a photograph of a cast that was taken of, of tracks. Why don't you uh, address, before we go to break, physical evidence and, and the analysis of some of this uh, trackway evidence? Well, it's interesting that a lot of these swamp creatures in cryptozoology are said to have three toes. And when footprints are found... You know, in these areas, even the creature, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, it has three toes, and the lizard man follows suit with that. At the time, during 1988, uh, the police actually came across a set of tracks uh, that had been left in a dirt road near Browntown Road, and uh, they were curious three-toed tracks. And, you know, these are alleged to be the tracks of the lizard man, and this is, you know, some solid evidence. However, when I looked at those tracks, they just don't add up. And these have been featured on a few different television shows. Uh, Josh Gates investigated this this thing in on Destination Truth. And I mean, we, we have all basically come to the conclusion that these tracks are dubious at best. However, that being said, my colleague right, Mike Richberg said he actually has found some tracks around that that time period that he believed were three toes. So while the most famous lizard man track tracks have a dubious origin, uh, there were some other reports that kind of support this three toed thing. And so, you know, short of having a body of one of these things to actually verify the number of toes, you just sort of have to start making guesses. You know, is this a you know is this a natural form that they take? Is this due to inbreeding? Is it a deform, uh, deformity? 
you know, just why would they have three toes? Because most upright, you know, all upright animals would have, you know, five primate, so forth. We got more coming with Lyle Blackburn with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of 
of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Creatures, creature sightings. I don't know that I'd ever want to be around one of those places. I know Chris gets into those parts too. Lyle Blackburn, have you personally seen anything weird? No, unfortunately I've never had a visual sighting that I could uh, de- definitively say is a unknown creature. So, you know, I'm I'm still like many people just looking for that lucky chance or or what have you. So, uh, so far I haven't what kind of equipment do you bring with you when you do these explorations? Are you prepared in case you do see something? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not a big gearhead, but I, I do carry a, a good quality camera, um, usually an audio recording device. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, the more money you have, the more of this fancy equipment has become available. You know, thermal imaging, I think, is a great, great thing. I used to own a night vision binoculars but those are you know fairly limited to uh you know a shorter distance and you know hard to see if you're traipsing through a swamp you know hard to be looking through that so you know while technology gives us some advantages it still is a a limit you know because you've got to actually see the creature and see it within a fairly short distance even to see it through night vision and things like that whereas thermal imaging would give you a longer range of view so I, I carry just a minimal amount of, of equipment, I guess, to, I would say. Well, the tape recorder is real important. Obviously, a lot of this information, uh, the vast majority of it, is going to be anecdotal in nature, uh, interviewing witnesses. Um, one of the things that strikes me about uh, this particular outbreak in South Carolina is that um, the quality of witnesses is, is fairly high. And we also have two cases that feature physical evidence of, of damage to vehicles. Now, we talked about the Y family. Let's talk about the other case that featured, you know, some pretty significant damage to uh, to a car. Yeah, that that's another interesting aspect to the case. Um, there were two other incidents, one in 2008 and one in 2011, I believe, in which people in the vicinity of Skateboard Swamp reported this same type of vehicular uh, vandalism that appeared to have been perpetrated by an animal. And... So when it happened in 2008, you know, sort of since 1988, that was like the 20th year anniversary, uh, you know, of the Lizard Man sighting. So that was interesting. Um, and the police did investigate that and felt that the people, you know, had a legitimate claim. They weren't trying to seek publicity or anything else. It just something happened to their car. Now, of course, fast forward to th- 2008, we have a lot more technology on our side. They were able to run some DNA on that and determined that it was canine. And so while the police actually weren't even sold on that <laughs> result, perhaps, you know, dogs did it. That's you know, got to be an angry 
pack of dogs, boy, to do that kind of damage. Yeah, I mean, it is it is just crazy just to think that you know that they that would be a dog. But with these car cases, they were all so circumstantial. I mean, nobody ever saw the lizard man and then saw it damage a car. So it was just a thin uh, connection between the two, but definitely something weird uh, that plays into the whole case that this keeps happening down there in the same area, no matter who's doing it, whether it's a dog or a lizard man, it's just, it just adds up to be a lot of weird stuff going on in this area. Well, speaking of that, we, we have a number of questions from listeners um, who are able to post questions for our guests at forum.theparacast.com. And a new member who signed up on Monday with the uh, hashtag Team Sheep Squatch <laughs> gnome, shall we say, has a couple of questions. And uh, the first one is, in the case of the lizard man, how many credible witnesses did you speak with? And from what he understands, uh, these sightings occur all over Lee County. And he says... I have read probably 25 reports from people that definitely had some kind of experience. How widespread is this? And is it uh, just exclusively focused on, on, the, uh, on the swamp area there? Or are there cases outside of that area? Well, I'm not sure where he's getting these. I mean, I spent a considerable amount of time tracing down different witnesses. And there were some reports, you know, in the greater area of Lee County, um, that occurred much later, and a lot of these were found by the police to be very sketchy. I mean, one lady was <laughs> very well known to be kind of crazy, um, and these were connected to UFO reports and other things like that. So in my case, I, I focused in on the history of the Bishopville Lizard Man and what seemed to be that creature. Now, you know, a lot of, a lot of the witnesses have passed away. I spoke to Frank Mitchell I spoke to one other that didn't want to be included in the book, but just verified what uh, had been written in his original witness report, which I had on file uh, with the police. And in another case, um, like I said, again, I, I had these written witness reports um, that had been done within days of seeing the creature that I could refer to, which was great. Because again, I'm not inter interviewing somebody 40 years later. I'm I'm looking at uh, what they had seen and their reactions at that very time when it was fresh on their minds. So that was um, a benefit. So unfortunately, with, with so many of them having passed on, I could refer to the Sheriff Liston Truesdale, who was the one who actually interviewed these people uh, when it happened. And of, of course, having him uh, consulting with me as I investigated was a great benefit. And he, he could... Uh, helped me sort out, you know, just what was true and, and about the case, and and fill me fill in the gaps where where a lot of the witnesses had passed on. Yeah, I find that uh, local law enforcement, if they're willing to even get involved publicly, um, if they're intrigued enough, um, they tend to be real, um, <laughs> really good sources of information, and um, and I think uh, very credible because obviously they have. An elected position that uh, you know makes them cautious and conservative in one sense, but if they feel that there's something to uh, an outbreak of events and they're willing to work with with investigators, I, I, I find that very very advantageous. Now, um, Team 
Sheep Squatch, <laughs> interesting name, has a second question. We don't have much time before the break, but let me pose it. Christopher Davis supposedly found a shed, and he says similar to snakeskin. I'm not sure about that. But evidently, uh, Davis found this sev- several years after his initial sighting. Do you have any info on this, and do you believe that this shed even exists? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's just not true at all. I don't know. I'm not sure where he got that particular information, but uh, he's partially confusing the story, which involves this this. Uh, building called the Butterbean Shed in which was nearby uh, to where his incident occurred and there's there's a long story about this whole Davis incident and the fact that uh, a local farmer at first said he was he was the one and he was trying to scare off kids away from his shed and then he said he didn't let's pause here and continue that answer explaining what this local farmer did. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracasts. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freeze-dryguy.com, freeze-dryguy.com. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Gene and Chris, the lizard person, talking to Lyle Blackburn. And you were just defining an answer to one of Chris's questions. Lyle, go ahead, please. So, yes, um, there was a butter bean shed, and this involved a farmer which lived nearby where Christopher Davis said the incident occurred. And I find this a lot of times, that you see a lot of stuff on the Internet and, and things that have just sort of twisted and turned, and the story becomes completely incorrect, you know, such as Christopher Davis finding uh, lizard skins and things that just that just never happened but again they do sort of i can see where they've rooted in something that was real such as the butterbean shed and then just sort of morphed into something else so the short answer is that never happened christopher davis never had any other experience with the lizard man in fact he tried to distance himself as much as he could because it kind of messed up the kid's life. I mean, he didn't, you know, from then on out, he's known as, you know, the kid who saw the lizard man. And it kind of haunted him. You know, a lot of people just never believed him, you know, and people wanted to keep asking questions. So he just, he ended up having to move away and didn't want anything to do with it. It kind of affected his the rest of his life. So he wasn't out there looking in sheds or looking for evidence of the lizard man or anything like that. It just just never happened. You mentioned the rest of his life. Uh, Christopher Davis met a violent end, and other people associated with the case died in kind of 
interesting uh, to note ways. Uh, why don't you describe uh, some of those? Yeah, that was something I discovered uh, as I was doing the research that, you know, there was something that, you know, could be a curse of the lizard man, so to speak. Uh, Christopher Davis, namely, who was actually uh, murdered in his house uh, years later. Unfortunately, he had started out as a very good young man and interested in, in sports and excelled in high school and just, just an average kid. But uh, later on, he got involved in drugs and things like that, which ended up getting him killed, literally right in front of his family, which was just nuts. And I talked to Sheriff Truesdale about that, and he, he definitely thought that, you know, the result of him seeing the lizard man, the result of all the media press that had gone on about it and having to deal with that the rest of his life, you know, could be a, a factor as to why he sort of got off the, the path. Um, now, some of the other witnesses, um, this young man uh, who had seen it with his family, the Blythers family, in 1990, he was killed in a car accident later. Um, the uh, original witness, uh, George Plyler, he died, but not really of, of strange circumstances or anything. Um, the colonel is dead, and there was actually more stuff to his story, which I was not allowed to print in the book. I really wish I could, because there was some really, really weird stuff that went on there, and the family did not want that printed. Um, so I could not totally expound on his incident, but I suffice to say that at least half of the witnesses that had reported seeing the lizard man met with an untimely end and or some bizarre circumstances that followed them after death. All right, let's clarify here. This is something that happens after they met up with the creature, but not something the creature might have done directly. Correct. Oh, well, I don't want to meet one of those. And I mean, Christopher Davis being, sh you know, shot. Um, we hardly think a creature did that. Right. The, one of the, the young Blyther boy was killed in a car accident. Um, George Plyler, you know, conceivably died of natural circumstances. The colonel, um, there was some, I wouldn't say foul play, but some shenanigans that went on there that... Uh, but I don't think we're a result of the lizard man directly in any way. It's not like they touched the lizard man and got a disease or it put a spell on him. It was just, you know, I think it's just simply coincidental. I mean, you know, look at the more famous case of the of the curse of King Tut. You know, I mean, you know, there's no direct link that, uh, you know, these people died as a result of entering, you know, the Pharaoh's tomb. But there's a lot of weird stuff that you can yeah. start connecting if you want to connect the dots. Now, when it comes to UFO sightings, we have in the past mentioned possible premature deaths of some people involved in the field. But we don't want to stretch that too far. I, I met a, a, a woman in college that, looking back at it, I swear she was a lizard girl and, and I touched her. And thank goodness I didn't catch anything. Well, there you go. I mean... You know, lizard people, you know, we, we don't know enough about them, apparently, so it's best be wise to stay, keep a distance. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. Careful what you wish for. Well, where do you come down here now? You you spent a considerable amount of time researching this, interviewing uh, witnesses, uh, you know, the sheriff. What do you think we're dealing with here, Lyle? Is this um, just a figment of people's imagination that is able to uh, scratch up and tear up cars? Is it something that's manifest um, at all times in our reality? Is it something possibly dimensional? Uh, I mean, what do you think? Are we dealing with a, a cryptoid humanoid creature that's lurking about swamps like Gollum? you know, searching for garbage and fish and whatever it is uh, that it needs to survive? I mean, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, I, it's it's hard to pick just one um, because there is just so little inf- information. A lot of it's, you know, anecdotal, as, as you say. You know, my, my first and foremost objective in, in these cases is really just to tell the whole story. Uh, you know, first, I think they're interesting uh, they're mysterious, they're creepy, and whether we can solve them or not is not necessarily the point because I think, you know, obviously we're not going to be able to solve something like this in, unless we had a body or a, a much better clear video or something like that. So, you know, I mean, it's it's something that uh, you just have to make some, some guesses at and, and some of those have to do with, uh, you know, what we have here, uh, you know, short of, you know, solid scientific evidence is, you know, just theories and conjecture. And so for me, uh, you know, I, I'm not one to latch on to a lot of, you know, paranormal or supernatural type things. Um, but, you know, certainly when you start dealing with Lizard Man, you know, it's it's hard to say, um, but you know I think in 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 the case of these witnesses, you can't say that they were hallucinating or anything like that. I, I think they legitimately saw something. Something happened to them. Now whether it was a you know lizard man, you know it's hard to say, but but definitely, and I think Sheriff Truesdale agrees with me on this that something happened to. Them. Those people, they saw something that led them to believe that they saw an unknown creature or something mysterious, and that's what they reported. So you can't just completely throw it out as hallucination or people trying to make stuff up. So, you know, given that, um, we're left with, you know, just what was it? So there's a number of options. You know, it was, you know, a person dressed up trying to perpetrate a hoax, which Again, I don't think it would be possible to do this this many number of times, running across in front of cars. It's, it's just not a, a hoax. Um, you know, it could have been a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot that was called the Lizard Man. I know, you know, explaining one cryptid with another cryptid to some people is going to sound ridiculous, but I think there are a lot more Bigfoot reports and a lot more substance to that. So, you know, it's possible we saw a, a swamp-dwelling Bigfoot. Um, or, you know, beyond that, there could be things and creatures that we just simply can't explain or that are unknown to us. And maybe this was an example of that. So many questions, so many possibilities, but I guess we're not going to even try to figure out what those possibilities are, at least for now. we got more creatures to explore or to avoid in our next segment. Lyle Blackburn joins Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we're exploring the lizard man and all sorts of legendary creatures. Or Critters with Lyle Blackburn. Chris, you have a question that you'd like to ask. Well, I, I, I want before we go on to Boggy Creek, which I, I really want to cover with you, because this is uh, one of the more well-known cases in, in cryptozoology. I, they made a movie about it. In fact, I think a couple of movies. Before we go on, though, let's talk about the lizard man archetype or that symbol within the human sort of experience. You've done some back story work, I'm sure, researching these types of reports down through history. Do we have any other examples of outbreaks of this type of humanoid form anywhere from uh, else around the world? And then we'll talk about David Icke's claim that lizard people run the world. You mean they don't? Well, see, you'll never know. See, it's just an endless question like chasing your lizard tail. So (laughs) there's never been another outbreak of quote-unquote lizard man sightings that had the substance of the Bishopville case. Now, there's some other fleeting reports around the U.S. of these type creatures. There was an incident that occurred in 1958 in Riverside, California, in which a man claimed he had seen a creature roughly fitting this description run across the road in front of him. It came up out of a uh, the Santa Ana River. There is... Uh, Reports of a creature near Thetis Lake in uh, British Columbia that came to be called the Thetis Lake Monster. And it was um, a sh- sort of a diminutive type gnomish uh, reptilian humanoid creature. But there was only two sightings of that, and those were rather dubious at best. Um, we talked about the Loveland Frog, which occurred in Loveland, Ohio, which... I don't think relates to this. There, it's a good story, and it's it, there's some you know spooky sightings involved with that. Again, no no amount of extended investigations or mass sightings ever occurred with that um, in Ohio, the Ohio River. There's been a few reports of sort of these creature from the Black Lagoon type creatures, but uh, you know just not enough sightings or data or footprint casts or anything like that to really compare to the others. You can only just sort of lay out the stories of these and come to the conclusion that, you know, the Bishopville creature is not an isolated case. People have reported seeing, you know, creatures like this throughout the modern U.S. history. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely a, an ongoing mystery. Well, you bring up U.S. history. Um, how about South America, Asia, any place in Africa where humanoid-looking, bipedal, humanoid reptilian types have been reported? Do, do we have any body of evidence that suggests that this is a worldwide phenomenon, or is this just something that's exclusively in North America? 
in specifically in South America, I did try to look into that because, you know, I kind of talk about our archetype of the movie monster, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Swamp Thing type, you know, creatures. And in the case of the creature from the Black Lagoon, it was reportedly influenced by a story uh, that one of that the producer had heard about a creature that had lived in South America. And I looked long and hard to find some better information on that. And all I could find was a scant, uh, you know, tale that seemed very much rooted in folklore, sort of a merman type thing that came to the village every so often. And it was, it was very folklore. I mean, as opposed to what you would consider cryptozoology like sightings and uh, a long history. So that's as far as I could get with that one in South America. I did not look uh, in great detail at the general world, you know, China and other places. So I can't, I can't say that there's not sightings of these creatures elsewhere, and I'm sure there are. Um, and I also ruled out things like sightings um, that corresponded to UFOs. So to where I thought it, it would be an extra, extraterrestrial tri- type creature, I, I kept this in the realm of cryptozoology. Right. Because you know, because there have been a number of claims. Uh, Pamela Stonebrook, of course, comes to mind, claiming she had a, a reptilian lover and he was really good in bed and all that sort of thing. Um, kind of slimy, though, don't you think? <laughs> well, we won't get into graphic details on that one, but but... You should put blinders on in, in terms of your focus and and really look at, at uh, what appear to be on the surface uh, some sort of cryptozoological reptoidal type uh, form. Well, um, Boggy Creek. Now, this is something that a lot of people are interested in. We've got a number of questions on our forums about the uh, the legend of Boggy Creek. Why don't you give us a quick thumbnail sketch of this particular, I can't really call it a case because it's uh, a lot more involved in that. But give us, give us, uh, you know, our first time listeners maybe who have never heard of Boggy Creek, give them a thumbnail sketch of what we're talking about. Well, the Boggy Creek monster, or as it's better known as the Falk monster, is a creature reportedly seen near, near the small town of Falk, Arkansas, which is in southwest Arkansas, just across the border from Texas. This creature uh, basically became publicly known in the early 1970s when uh, sightings were recounted in the Texarkana Gazette newspaper. That led to uh, a film director by the name of Charles Pierce coming down there and making a film called The Legend of Boggy Creek. And that movie was released in 1972 and became hugely successful in the 1970s. Uh, went on to play in the movie theaters and drive-ins and on TV all throughout the 70s, made $25 million. I saw it in high school, actually, uh, although I was otherwise engaged in the front seat i didn't see much of the movie <laughs> tell see, us was... more chris no i'm not going to ask you to do that the point being also that that amount of money for a movie doesn't sound like much today i mean if a movie only makes 25 million dollars the first weekend it's considered a possible failure but this is a long time ago sure and considering he only spent 160,000 to make it but 
you know, point being that this made the Falk monster quite famous, and the Legend of Boggy Creek is a movie that you know people of a certain age all pretty much remember. I mean, I've countless people come up to me at book sighting and say, "Oh man, I saw that as a kid. It scared the crap out of me," or whatever. So you know, uh, they they say about it, but um, you know, it's quite famous. So uh, you know, there. Behind all of this, and the tagline of the movie was a true story, it was based on real reports by real people uh, that were dramatized in the movie. And as someone who saw it when I was a little kid in the drive-in, you know, I always remembered it. I loved the movie. Obviously, I always, you know, loved Bigfoot. So this was something that was more close to my hometown. Um, as an adult and doing this kind of work, I wanted to look into it and sort out just what was true about it. How far back did the sightings of the creature go? Do they are, Is it still sighted today? And that's uh, the exploration I go through in my book. Give us a, a kind of a blow-by-blow description. Um, who saw it first? What was the most celebrated sighting? Give us a description of the creature. Give us a little bit of background on... You know, what kind of terrain uh, that we're talking about here in Arkansas. Kind of set the stage a little bit here and, and, and give our first-time listeners something that they can kind of grab a hold of. Well, the creature is generally described as being about seven feet tall. It's covered in hair. The hair color, you know, ranges from black to brown. Um, generally described as having longish hair, kind of a southern Sasquatch type description. It's often associated with having a, a foul odor, not unlike the skunk ape, and you know is described as having ape-like features, but walking upright on two legs like a man. So again, it's it's basically uh, a Bigfoot type creature that lives in Arkansas, and the area where it is seen in Falk, um, you know, backs up to the Sulphur River bottoms. And that is a very remote and swampy bottomland area that uh, even today is something where a lot of people don't settle. There's a lot of area there where large animals could remain elusive. The the most celebrated sighting occurred in uh, 1971. We'll go back to 1971, back through time, back in our time machine in a moment. We have Lyle Blackburn. We're exploring the beast of Boggy Creek. I almost feel it's right beside me right now. No, 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 that's my dog. And he's white and he's small and cute. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi. 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (coughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Chris is doing his best Beast of Bocky Creek imitation. I'll tell you, with Lyle Blackburn, his first book was The Beast of Bocky Creek. Earlier, we were exploring Lizard Man. So, Lyle, let's look at the surroundings. It's not a place that anyone really wants to visit or move into, unless you're being, I guess, pursued by the law. But there are no cabins or things like that out there. No. I mean, a lot of people like to go there, and, you know, Bigfoot enthusiasts often go to Falk. Um, it's like the Mecca of Southern Bigfoot. But no, you're not going to find cabins or motels or anything. It's, it's definitely very rural. Certainly was in the early 70s, and, and is still, you know, a small, you know, off-the-way town. Um, it sounds like a pretty Falked-up place to live. Yeah. So, but basically... Uh, the most famous sighting occurred in 1971. Um, a family by the name of Ford moved to the town uh, for work. And there was actually a couple of families, and the guys were gone at night. And over a uh, few uh, progressive evenings, the women had heard something stalking around on the porch that they thought was walking on two legs that seemed to be large. And on one evening, it actually stuck its hand, a hairy hand or a paw, or something through the window. So, of course, you know, they were scared out of their minds. And this all culminated with uh, the guys borrowing a shotgun for the landlord and confronting the creature on a Saturday night in May of 1971. And they ended up taking some shots at it from the porch, and they weren't sure if they hit it. So the guys went down to the edge of the woods to look. Well, this was uh, three guys, one of them being the younger brother, Bobby Ford. As they were looking around, you know, they couldn't find any blood or any evidence they, they had hit it. Bobby, you know, Bobby was getting really spooked out. He's thinking, man, if we miss that thing and it's standing over there in the woods, it's freaking me out. I'm going back to the porch. Here's the light. You know, you guys, t- you know, keep looking. So he, as he's heading back up to the house, 
something uh, comes around the edge of the porch and engages him in a struggle, basically, and he ends up is you know getting free and nearly jumping through the front door. Now he thought that what he was attacked by was some sort of a human human like ape like creature. He had scratches. He was he was banged up. So they took him to the Texarkana Hospital where he was treated for minor injuries and shock. Well, you know, you got the doctor down there saying, uh, you know, what happened? He says, I was attacked by a hairy monster in Falk. Well, that, you know, the doctor calls the local news media guy and said, hey, man, I got a guy down here who says he was attacked by a hairy monster. You should go check it out. And that's what happened. And the news got involved. That got printed in the paper. And that's what kind of put it on the map. But once this all came out, the old timers basically said, hey, you know, this isn't the first time this this type of thing's been reported. Don't y'all remember back in the 60s, there was a whole huge flap of sightings about five miles southwest of here in Jonesville. Well, this started, you know, brewing up all the old sightings, sort of like the Lizardman case where there had been a lot of stuff going on. They just didn't tell the newspaper. However, there was many, many sightings. Um, and most people generally believe that the Falk monster sightings began in the 1940s, or that's what you used to find if you searched the internet. However, I, I found that there were sightings back to at least 1908 in this area. Another false impression was that the sightings ended after the movie came out and, you know, things died down. Well, uh, what I found that there was sightings that continued in the 80s, 90s, all the way until today, some of these even more dramatic than what the Fords experienced. So it's something that hasn't stopped. It's just that the, mo the movie kind of ran its course and the media moved on. And, you know, most people didn't hear of it until my book came out. And that sort of uh, filled in all the gaps and brought the whole entire history of this uh, to the forefront again. Well, that leads us to a question from one of our forum posters, Burnt State, and he kind of points out something interesting, which I would like you to address. And he says, the Falk monster is unique for its three-toed impressions, which kind of reminds us of uh, you know, our Lizardman report from South Carolina. And did the earlier Jonestown monster that the Falk monster is connected to also leave behind three-toed prints? And are you aware of any examples of other three-toed Sasquatch footprints? Yes. The, the creature, the fountain monster, yes, is, is associated with having three-toed tracks. And a lot of this was based on a trackway that was found in uh, the summer of 1971, shortly after the Ford incident, in which uh, the creature had presumably walked across a freshly plowed bean field. And this is dramatized in The Legend of Boggy Creek. I go into great detail in my book about this, obviously. Um, th that was, you know, the the best example of three-toed tracks. Some of the other sightings, um, they, they, you know, the sheriff thought that he found some three-toed tracks. They weren't, you know, very defined, so they weren't sure. In another case, uh, a person thought that it had four toes. Now, in more recent times, I've got a, I, I met a witness down there who actually cast a really good five-toed print. So, when you, when you start dealing with this whole three-toed aspect of the Falk monster, it really expands into the southern Sasquatch in general because three-toed tracks are found elsewhere. And I do know researchers who have found three-toed tracks. They've cast these. They've, you know, 
they've said that you know they believe them to be tracks however you also find a lot of five trode tracks as well so it's hard to reconcile just what uh, the three toed track represents you know is it a certain individual who has a deformity is this something from these small populations being inbred or the three toed tracks you know hoaxes there was some dubious business going on with this famous trackway found in Falk that you can read more about in the book. But, um, you know, it's it's not unlike some of the lizard man stuff. And again, you know, you got a swamp. Uh, Falk is near a, a place called Mercer Bayou and the Sulphur River Bottom. So you have a swampy area. Suddenly you have three-toed tracks. So um, definitely fascinating. Um, but there's just not enough examples of it to really ultimately decide if you know, all the creatures in the area have three toes or if it's just one with a deformity or if this this is one incident that simply, you know, isn't real. You mentioned in your research that you found um, alleged uh, sighting reports anecdotally that go all the way back into the early 20th century. What are we talking about here? Give us a sense of the geography of the area. Where did all these reports that have been, you know, filed over the years, uh, are they all centered around a particular area, Boggy Creek? Do we have any sort of indication that, that whatever this hypothetical group of, of humanoid creatures, have they expanded? Are they location-specific? And, uh, you know, the whole thing about three toes, I mean, unless you're a dinosaur, it would be kind of difficult to uh, – <laughs> to be able to negotiate that kind of terrain with only three toes, I would think. But give us a sense of, of the area around Boggy Creek and, and where the other anecdotal sighting reports have, have come from. Well, it's it's really within a about a 20-square-mile area where most of the sightings have taken place. And I've plotted these on a detailed map, so I'm quite familiar where each one had occurred. Um in general, they occur south of Falk, which would encompass that Jonesville area that our uh, listener asked about, all the way down to the end of Mercer Bayou. And the first sighting in 1908 happened down at the bottom end of Mercer Bayou, the most southern point. And that was a small girl reporting that she had seen some sort of a hairy man um, you know, which is, you know, kind of a sketchy report. But um, going up in the 20s and 30s and 40s, you start getting more of these same kind of things. And they would range generally in that Mercer Bayou area in the, near the Sulphur River as well. We have Lyle Blackburn. His books are The Beast of Boggy Creek and Lizard Man. Right now we're focusing on The Beast of Boggy Creek, which makes me not want... <laughs> to be visiting Arkansas anytime soon. <laughs> okay, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, 
head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights, and your hard-earned dollars buy a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 308. One in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Hey. 
you know, we have this group of people here, of which our guest is now joining this illustrious crew. Brad Steiger, Nick Redfern, Red Pill Junkie, and even Bryce Sable. Okay, on the Paracast this week, it's all monsters all the time. You know what bothers me a little bit about all this is you have these little pockets of cases that become suddenly famous, like Boggy Creek, like the Lizard Man in South Carolina, like, of course, Mothman in West Virginia. Is there a reason at all in your research? Can you determine why they seem to show up in these little pockets around the country? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Part of it is just, you know, what happens to get in the paper. And I mean, you know, these creatures uh, are identified suddenly with some regional name, such as the Falk monster, and it's being printed in, as, in the paper as such. And I think people have some impression that the Falk, because it's called the Falk monster, that it's something different than, say, a southern Sasquatch creature from Texas. Down there, they call them, you know, the Caddo Critter or the Sabine Thing. But, you know, basically, they're the same thing. I mean, they're described in a similar way. If you start looking at the map, you see that all these waterways and forest areas connect together. So whereas one town may call it one thing or, you know, another town calls it the other, really, we're just talking about southern Sasquatch creatures not necessarily a whole bunch of varied and different primate or ape-like creatures. So a lot of it just depends on what gets in the paper. And, of course, in the case of The Legend of Boggy Creek, where you have a famous movie made about it, you know, it, it, it stands as sort of an iconic creature unto itself, the Falk monster. But, you know, essentially, if you start looking into these in great detail, you find that, you know, you're just kind of dealing with, with southern Sasquatch or a skunk ape in a more general sense. They don't recognize town names or borders or states or anything like that. And they may move, obviously, up and down waterways and uh, in, through forest areas from one town to another. Let me ask you a question here which bothers me. And that is, we have all these very fascinating reports over the years of strange creatures. We've got the Lizard Man, we've got the Moth Man, Beast of Boggy Creek, Bigfoot, whatever. But it doesn't seem as if investigators are really getting us any closer to a conclusion as to what's going on. Is there a better approach, do you think? Well, you know, it might be time for a better approach because you're right. You're not getting any closer. And it's funny if you go back and watch a show, say, from the 1970s, uh, a show In Search Of, for example. It was a show that ran on television. It was narrated by Leonard Nimoy. It was quite popular. You look at that. And you look at a modern-day show such as Monster Quest, which was a great show. It was about the same subject of cryptozoology and unexplained monsters. You look at those two, and, I mean, they're very similar. You realize that what they were doing back in the 70s was pretty much what we're doing today. It's no different. We do have some more sophisticated equipment and gear to use nowadays, but the approach is the same. The dedication by these researchers is the same. What we know about these creatures is still the same. Uh, so I'm not sure what more there can be done to you know to really facilitate the proof of these things you know they just tend to remain just on the edge 
you know, of our civilization just on the edge of our grasp. It's still a mystery. It's an ongoing mystery. And, you know, maybe something that will just continue like this forever. I don't know. Or, you know, but other than a body coming forth uh, to where we can ultimately scientifically examine it, it's just going to remain just out of the hands of these researchers. Now, let me say something funny. Don't take it as an insult. But hasn't it been said that if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, that's one definition of insanity? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, one thing that comes up occasionally is possible DNA testing. If we have another species here, not discovered, and they're crawling all over the place, what about a DNA sample? Let's see if we can't get evidence of something strange. Well, you know, and that that's something that they are doing. I mean, DNA is, is really starting to come into the picture because it's more affordable and there's people that are actually, you know, reputable scientists that are actually uh, willing to look at DNA evidence submitted from, you know, Bigfoot samples and things. So that's definitely something on our side. But, I mean, ultimately it still takes it's going to take a quality sample in order to produce the right results. And to get that sample, you know, you got researchers out in the woods just looking for the proverbial needle in the haystack to find one little hair or one piece of skin or or what have you in order to to get the and extract the DNA out of. And so far, even samples with the best intentions have been either A, contaminated, or they come up to be some like bear or wolf or something you know that we we didn't really want to hear but that's that's the facts you know dna and science don't lie so you know we do have those tools but you're still depending on amateur researchers using their own funds to go out in the woods and against all odds try to get themselves a little piece of a creature that you know has been successful in eluding everybody now for all this time (laughs) right you wonder though whether maybe what investigators of this sort ought to be doing is take a course in crime scene investigation, learn how to gather the samples, certainly if you're not a professional. We understand the samples could be contaminated, especially out in a place where lots of creatures are roaming around. How do you get the sample? That's the one that will give you the smoking gun. But is there no way to possibly take some extra courses in that subject? Maybe learn a few techniques that will help you. Because where are we going now? Right. I mean, there are researchers out there that are familiar with those techniques. And if they find a sample, they are going to follow the protocol that science recommends on on data collection. So, you know, but again, you're just talking a wide range of people with interests um, into the subject, most being amateurs. You know, it's just sort of up to them to think, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, take a course on data collection. I should, um, you know, know more about evidence collection and things like that. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of them don't. I I get, you know, photos of hair sent to me. I found this hair and I don't know what it is. Well, they're holding it in their hand. I'm like, oh, you know, if it's, you know, it's already been contaminated, you know, so People just get excited and don't think about these things, whereas, you know, long-time researchers, and, and there are quite a few of those, they do know these techniques, and they will observe them uh, when possible. So it, you just have such a wide range of people looking into it. Well, what do you think of Melba, uh, Melba Ketchum's uh, uh, DNA study and how 
this particular project has been handled? That's a question which we'll have to have answered in our next segment about that particular DNA study and about the implications. Lyle Blackburn is joining us. We're looking for strange creatures around the world with Gene and Chris. And Chris is not a strange creature, but sometimes I have my doubts about myself. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freeze-dryguy.com, freeze-dryguy.com. 
It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (coughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 this is jerome clark author of the ufo encyclopedia and other books you're listening to the paracast Strange Creatures and More. Gene and Chris talking to Lyle Blackburn. So, Lyle, Chris had a question for you. So, yeah, the I think the, the Ketchum study has been ha- handled terribly. I mean, unfortunately. And, you know, I don't pretend to be a scientist. I, I'm not going to read that paper and make any sort of levy judgment against it. I, I can only rely on the feedback from people who are trained and respected scientists who have made comments on this and you know judging from that you know even if that uh, was you know a viable study unfortunately it was not handled in in the protocol that mainstream science embraces you know the the release of the journal and there's just a whole lot of aspects that Excuse me, folks, we're getting into the inside baseball game here. We've got to tell our listeners what the Ketchum study is all about, and then we can go more into the flaws. Lyle? Well, basically, the Melba Ketchum is a veterinarian that lives in East Texas, and she has taken it upon herself to you know, do some scientific studies into Bigfoot. And they did a Bigfoot genome study, which collected... Uh, various evidence and did DNA testing upon it and to try to prove that Bigfoot is real, basically. And uh, samples were taken from many different sources. And I know some of those sources are very reliable and they were, you know, given over in good faith and things like that. But you're, you're, you're at the mercy of, of the people who are testing this. Um, so, the results of this DNA study were published in a journal, not a known scientific journal, but a journal that they created themselves with which to publish Ouch. findings. Ouch, number one. So, you know, right off the bat, just by the way it's presented, most reputable scientists are just not going to pay any attention to it. They're going to say, yeah, it's par for the course with Bigfoot people. You know, they don't follow the right stuff. You know, they use terms like angel DNA, which totally baffled me. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it just gets far-fetched real quick. I mean, you know, and that just turns people away from it. But, you know, judging from what other scientists, Todd Disatel, um, P. 
people like that have said they just feel like it's you know it's just not a valid study the results are dubious at best and these things build up a lot of hype for a couple of years as people hear about them but once it comes out it just sort of dies a slow whimpering death because it doesn't do anything except make <laughs> the science of bigfoot look even worse unfortunately so that's it's just not something that's helped anything even if there was well, some we good do evidence. have we do have some reputable scientists uh, like Jeffrey Meldrum who has put his reputation as a certified and you know, I mean, uh, an accredited scientist. I, I, I think he's at the University of Idaho. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, we do have some scientific interest in this particular subject. What do we have to do to take this thing to the next level so that academia and the scientific community will be kind of slam dunked into having to take this subject seriously? What do we need to do, Lyle? Yeah, I mean, guys like Dr. Meldrum are are a big credit to, you know, Bigfoot research as a whole. I mean, he, his expertise is in footprint analysis, locomotion uh, of, you know, bipedal creatures. So, you know, he's not a DNA guy, but but he's a good spokesperson for, you know, the science of Bigfoot. But ultimately, I mean, at this point, Bigfoot is a pop cultural icon. You know, scientists, it's got a stigma to it understandably so there's been so much nonsense and hoax and silly stuff involved in it most scientists just are not going to listen anymore to any nonsense unless you have a piece of a, a creature of an extremely clear video you know which would be you know questionable at best just because you're really going to need a body to prove it you know it's it's just at this point that's what it's going to take before mainstream science and I'm not saying go out and kill a Bigfoot to get a body. I'm just saying that's what it's going to take, whether it, you, know, you find a piece or find a finger or a hair or something where it's a definitive you know, sample that can create a DNA signature that can be verified as unknown. Lyle, I, you know, I've been monitoring a thread at forum.theparacast.com where our listeners can ask our guests questions. One of the threads has been kind of zeroing in on this whole anomaly of hunters um, allegedly seeing a Bigfoot, having them, you know, in their rifle scope and then not taking the shot. We do have a handful of cases where hunters have claimed to have tried to take down a Bigfoot. But don't you think that, I mean, someone like getting a headshot on a Bigfoot going and uh, dragging that thing down to the nearest uh, hospital, forensic lab, sheriff's office, whatever. Do you think that that would, you know, for once and for all, establish that this is a flesh and blood cryptozoological creature? And, and why haven't we seen that up until now? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would end the debate right there. I mean, you know, and that's, I mean, there are, uh, newly discovered species of primates, you know, coming out of Africa and things like this. And the way they're proven is somebody's got a body, uh, you know, or something like that. So that's that's the same thing with Bigfoot. If somebody yeah, drags they usually one out find of it in a in a, a local market being sold as uh, as food. Yep. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, you know, the locals don't know it's you know a rare and uncatalogued primate. They just 
see it, and then there it is. So, um, but the situation with hunters, you know, I mean, that's a puzzling thing. Is you you do have reports of many hunters having Bigfoot sightings, and many of these occurring when they're in the tree stand and they've got their rifle there and they've got it, you know, in the sights of their scope. I talked to a witness I was interviewing uh, just last week who was in that very position. And I said, you know, why did, why did you not shoot it? I mean, you know, you, you could prove it. He said, I, I thought about it. I looked at it. He said, it was just so astounding at what I was looking at. He thought, you know, what if I miss? What if I shoot? It doesn't take it down. What if there's others standing, you know, in the trees that I can't see? If I shoot that thing, I just don't know what's going to happen. Not only that, it you know what if it's what if it's the the chance that this this is somehow related to humans or whatever I'm, you know I don't want to be uh, drag this down and then be thrown in jail for murder. There's just so many questions that you've got to confront. You know, some of that sounds like an excuse though. Like maybe they're <laughs> closely related to humans, and I'll be arrested for murdering a Bigfoot. And I don't know that might be a stretch. But the other thing people might ask here is, all right. These are living beings. They live, they die, no corpses. Never a corpse anywhere. Why? Yeah, that's a huge problem. I mean, you know, a lot of people, the arguments are usually, well, you know, when's the last time you found a bear, dead bear in the woods? Well, not very often, certainly, but it has happened. And, you know, bears can be proven. So it's one of those things that's um, extremely puzzling and doesn't really add up. It, you know, the fact that we don't have a body doesn't disprove it, of course, and that's kind of what keeps that carrot dangling that, well, you got to keep looking. People say they see them, so, hey, you know, there must be something to it. So, uh, but, but why that none of them have been hit by a car, not one hunter has actually shot one and dragged it out of the woods. Now, hunters say they've shot it, but they just didn't bring it in. Uh, so these hunters in particular didn't have a problem in shooting them they didn't worry about being attacked by mass bigfoot or being arrested by the police for murdering a bigfoot we'll get into more of this in a moment we have lyle blackburn here for one more segment with gene and chris you're in the paracast From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. 
That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Pharmacist Ben Fuchs knows the importance of proper digestion. Make sure you take a look at the ultimate enzyme product. They're made with bile salts and fat digestion enzymes and protein digestive enzymes. And not only do the ultimate enzymes give you obvious benefits for digestion, but they can also help keep your blood flowing through your circulatory system. As most of you probably know by now, thick, sludgy, clotting blood is a serious risk factor for heart disease and stroke. Clearly, inappropriate and excessive blood clotting is a major health issue, and thick, sludgy blood is not just about heart health either. Sludgy blood can compromise oxygenation and nutrient delivery to all your cells and tissues and organs and ultimately lead to almost any health issue you can name. Concerned about proper digestion and heart health? Order Ultimate Enzymes by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470 or on the web at brightsidebed.com. That's brightsidebed.com. Order today. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Monster hunting with Lyle Blackburn, exploring the case at Boggy Creek, the Lizard Man, and all these monsters trying to find some evidence about what's going on. And the question is here, we know you've done the books, you continue to write about the subject, but what about the fact here that so far we haven't discovered any new evidence, just more case histories? What keeps you going? Well, I think for me personally is I have fun with the subject. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I I like 
the stories. They're spooky. They make, you know, great conversations, um, interviewing witnesses that tell you they've seen basically what is a monster lurking in the woods is, is fun. And so I, I have to think that I wouldn't want to be so darn serious and, and after, you know, 40 years of research, think that I've wasted my time. So um, the camaraderie uh, between researchers is great. Getting out camping, getting in the woods, exploring the outdoors, the thrill that you might see something unknown is a great allure. And me and my friends enjoy that. Now, on top of that, you know, if we really did find proof, evidence, a photo, or if I could just see one with my own eyes, would be amazing. And there is that chance, you know. But, you know, if that never happens, I'm not losing anything. I, I think that I've told, I've, I've brought forth good stories in my book. Um, I've met a lot of very cool people, interesting people. And that's what keeps me going as far as the research, even in the face of, such improbability and, and such questions and puzzles as we've raised here in the last hour. Well, we know, of course, that most people who write books on this subject don't become millionaires. So we assume that you have to put some money together to make these trips. So you just travel on the cheap or what? Well, yeah, I definitely you know try to be economical about it. And I Certainly, the books, I don't make a huge profit, and it's something that usually gets rolled back into the research, hence the fact that I have to take freelance writing jobs and things like that. I just can't uh, exist off writing these kind of books. Um, but I just love doing it, and that's, you know, it's, again, I, I have a good time with it, so I can forego the, the wishes to be a millionaire with it, but it is certainly costly. And I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen comments on the internet that I'm trying to cash in on, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek or something. Well, I cash in, buddy. How much time (laughs) and money? Man, what a joke. Oh, it's ridiculous. I've seen all kinds of just, I mean, and this is the nature of the internet. I mean, nobody, no, not everybody likes what you do, but I just see some ridiculous. There's a huge peanut gallery in the internet. You have to kind of, just put them out of your mind sometimes. You're not saying here that their minds are as small as peanuts. Uh, well, that too. But there's a huge peanut gallery that is willing and able. And, I mean, they'll jump all over you uh, just for expressing an interest in a subject. I mean, let alone uh, getting out of their armchair and actually going out and doing the research. Lyle, uh, do you know J.C. Johnson? Yes. We had JC on a couple of weeks ago, and boy, I'll tell you, you know, we have a very up-to-speed listenership out there. And on the forums here at forum.theparacast.com, a lot of people really wanted to take JC and his presentation of his um, investigative efforts to task. Now, I'll tell you, I have heard a lot of stories in my time, and if you add them all up, JC can top them. What do you think about someone like JC who is sitting, you know, and I'll be the first to admit, he's sitting in an area of the country that is really high strange. But what do you take someone like JC who is so over the top and so, you know, sitting around the campfire style uh, that it's very difficult to take anything that he says, uh, you know, without a, a huge block of salt? Uh, you seem much more circumspect. What do you think of, of, of researchers and investigators like JC? 
again, this is, you know, something that has a wide range of people that are attracted to the subject and researchers vary dramatically in their approach, you know, some more scientific, some more dramatic, um, you know, but I, I try to look at, you know, I try not to be the peanut gallery. I try not to, you know, judge people's or, or jump to conclusions about stuff because we are dealing with high strangeness, as you say, and there really are no right or wrong answers, you know, and we're really not, unless somebody's looked into that case and talked to those witnesses and knows more about it, you really can't just dismiss it. Now, you can definitely, I, you know, I try to focus on what I believe to be the most credible sources and the most credible stories and focus on that because there's plenty of them. You know, really don't have to get ridiculous. So, you know, but JC's been doing it a long time and he knows he's, he's smart about, uh, the subject and, you know, I respect his research and I respect the research of, you know, what everybody else has done, save for somebody who's like purporting hoaxes or parading bodies around the, the U.S. Well, Lyle, hold on. Wait a minute. J.C. has been hot on the trail of a, of a, a group of centaurs. He claims that a, I think it's like some little retreat center or monastery uh, with a priest and and acolytes uh, living in a remote area of, of New Mexico, have been seeing centaurs. Have you ever heard ever of a centaur report, except for <laughs> some sort of Greek myth or something? Okay, let's uh, sit down for know, this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ready for <laughs> the response from Lyle. Okay, yeah, the centaur. Well, you know, I don't know about that. I'm not really up on his uh, centaur investigation, so I, I'm not totally qualified to comment on that. Now, I just don't know, but I can tell you that people report some really bizarre stuff, and then this is coming from somebody. No, no, okay, me let, let me ask you this. If, Lyle, if you saw a horse with the upper body of a human instead of a horse head, and you had a thirty out six. Would you take that sucker down or what? <laughs> uh, I guess so. I'd be thinking like Clash of the Titans. The gods might punish me for this, but <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I don't even know what to think about. That's so off my radar. I, I yeah, I just I I'm just way more down to earth. If I hear a centaur. Uh, report, I just I don't know. I'd have to hear it straight up. I but again, I would. I'm the type of person that I'm not going to – I don't have time to, to debunk everybody's goings-ons. If, if I'm face-to-face with a researcher and they tell me about it, then I can make a much more better judgment. I might think they're crazy, but until then, I just say, that's your case, man. And if you can prove, <laughs> yeah. if you can prove it, great. I mean, Yeah, it, do what thou wilt. Yes, so that's that's your deal. Well, I know JC. JC actually is a friend, and and I've spent some time with him. Uh, I've done some some work out in the field with him, and I'll tell you, I have never met a guy that's more enthralling around a campfire than this guy. I mean, it doesn't matter what the subject is; he's got one for you. Yeah, and that, you know that's. That's his forte, and that's awesome. And you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, again, it's it, it's all great mysteries, and we're just trying to sort through them as best we can. So, okay. So, yeah. what's up for you in the future here? What what uh, is on your radar? We've only got about a minute left. Give us a sense of uh, where you're going with your particular research. 
I'm I'm looking into writing a book that's more of a general Southern Sasquatch type thing. So I'm I'm still trying to sketch out exactly what I'm doing, but uh, it will be a, a back to a Bigfoot book. Um, I got some appearances coming up. I'll be at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference on April the 26th um, and all that. So, but people can follow me by checking checking out my website lyleblackburn.com. Uh, find out where to get my books, all, all that sort of stuff, and you know send me some feedback if you like. If you've seen a centaur or a Bigfoot, just let, let me know. <laughs> okay, and, uh, so we're going to have a special show on centaur sightings, I think, <laughs> at this point. Chris O'Brien can be found at OurStrangePlanet.com, and they're setting up the StalkingTheHerd.com site. It's already got its rudimentary features there. We've got a special section in our forum at Forum.TheParacast.com for Chris's new book. And if you go to TheParacast.com, you can download every episode of the Paracast. Now, this week, I understand, in addition to GCN and Boost Radio Network, we'll be joining IRN Internet Radio Network for a wider reach for the Paracast. Lyle Blackburn, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed the conversation. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.